Welcome back. Earlier today, I had the opportunity to talk to Dean Fergie from Cyan Investment Management. I started by asking Dean whether the froth and the bubble from last year and the number of new listings had carried through into the new year. So there was a big rush towards the end of last year to list stocks. Um, has that continued into 2021? Yeah, look, it's, it's fair to say it has. I mean, the, the Australian market has its normal sort of Christmas day to Australia day off where nothing really gets done. But certainly in the last couple of weeks, there's been, we've probably seen three or four potential new raisings and the corporate window for um, just private placements and the likes opened up as well. So I think even um, a company called Whisper that does uh, sort of text messaging for corporates that they raised, well, I think it was 40 or $50 million the other day. So there's, there's definitely activity, but, but more importantly, there's also, there's also the funding available that, that people have still got money in their pockets and they seem to be happy to, to support these, these raising. So but say, um, you know, from that perspective, the early signs of 21 look good. It's not like, um, you know, there's no like, there's no bullets left in the gun. I think there's there's more shots to be fired on the on the new raisings and corporate side of things. And are they quality raisings, or are you seeing that sort of frothy end of the market that sometimes happens where you get uh, you get some average stuff coming to the market? Yeah, look, I mean, I think with all this stuff, Chris, kind of time will tell that you can say these businesses maybe don't look good initially, but then um, a year or two down the track, they either prove themselves or they don't. Um, you know, really mixed bag. In, in a lot of cases, there are a number of early stage businesses that are looking for that growth capital, and that's what you expect at the small end of the market. We certainly haven't seen the, the bigger established businesses that, you know, looking to raise in the hundreds of millions come to market as yet, but that tends to be a... Uh, normally a longer process to try and canvas investors. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, the, the quality is a bit mixed, but again, you know, you can cherry pick ones and that can do quite well. That's sort of the name of the game, certainly at our end. Yeah. Dean, we were talking earlier saying 12 months ago, no one would have guessed where the market would be now. Um, and no one had any inkling of uh, what was really ahead of us and, as you know, fear and greed, panic gripped the market and and uh, everyone's got on with it since because they've got time and money in their pocket. Um, but where do you see it going from here? Is it possible to have a crystal ball or is it just dangerous to have a crystal ball? I've been looking for a crystal ball for about 20 years, Chris, I have to say. Um, oh, look, it's really, really hard to tell. There's so many co conflicting factors in the market. There seems to be a wave of money and support coming into the market. It's being buoyed by low interest rates. And, you know, even though there were some fears in the last couple of weeks about longer term rates rising, um, the Reserve Bank came out the other day and said they see, they see rates at 0.1 for the next three years. So that should help stabilise the market a little bit. Um, you've also got a range of valuations, certainly stuff in the, the tech and fintech sector and, possibly the biotech sector and you know, across the board valuations look pretty extended on a, on a long-term basis, but maybe, you know, we could be moving into a, a new paradigm. So what we think is expensive now is going to look normal in a few years. So 
you know, I, I certainly don't subscribe to the view that the market's going to pull back by 10 or 15%. I, I don't see in terms of the underlying dynamics of the market of buyers versus sellers, there being a great wave of sellers not being met by buyers. I, I see it sort of maybe remaining volatile and potentially edging upwards over the next 12 months would be my best guess for whatever that's worth. Oh, look, I'm sure it's worth a lot, Dean. You've been in the market a long time. It is a difficult market. We're here. We're getting different opinions. You know, a lot of people say this is overbought. You know, the interest rates are going up, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. But central banks have been praying for inflation and trying to create inflation for the last two or three years. And all of a sudden, there's some signs that there might be some inflation there. And everyone's running scared of it. I mean, it is a it is a sort of a, a, a mantra of be careful what you wish for. Like, there's been so much government stimulus, you know, certainly pumped into the domestic economy. It's no surprise that the prices have crept up. You know, you were talking earlier about the the demand for leisure goods. It seems to be possible to buy a bicycle in Melbourne. Boat sales are going through the roofs. Motorcycles, consumer electronics. It's all gone crazy. So the fact that there's going to be a bit of Inflation creeping in seems to be obvious. You know, probably the 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 question everyone needs to be asking themselves is, you know, what happens when these government stimuluses start tailing off? You know, that I think is maybe the concern. Certainly, at the the consumer discretionary end of the market, is is will the big bump up we've seen over the last twelve months in terms of consumer behaviour, will that continue? And I, and I think that's where there's a big question mark over that part of the economy is that it may subside or, or indeed that that consumer discretionary income moves on to you know more travel more eating out that kind of things and it kind of leaks away from the main beneficiaries we've seen over the last year yeah it's a, it is a confusing market because there are so many conflicting signals aren't they which makes it difficult for you as a professional manager in navigating that how do you go about it look i mean firstly it's kind of a pipe dream to say i'm looking for you know reasonable growth stocks that are trading at cheap value they just don't exist the only cheap stocks are the ones that have got really major headwinds or structural problems with balance sheet which you know businesses we try and avoid our sort of perspective and and I mean, we probably always have it, but it seems even more important at the moment is to have a really um, diversified portfolio. You do need a good core of, of you know, solid, commercially proven, profitable, dividend-paying businesses w- with a bit of growth. Now, you're not going to buy those on 10 times earnings, but if you buy them on you know, potential earnings yield of, of you know, low, like even 3 or 4%, that's well ahead of the interest rates. So that's positive. And I, and I think there's so much excitement and buoyancy in the stock market that you can have a number of businesses that are, you know, newer stage, a bit more speculative, but can add some, you know, great alpha to portfolio. So if you combine them with that, we think that's a, it's a good way to play, I suppose, the, the excitement and buoyancy in the market, as well as having a, a I suppose, a strong core that will, be defensive if, if there is a um, reasonable downturn. Now, I mean, I know I said I didn't think there'd be a downturn, but I have been wrong before in my professional life as an investor. So we certainly would never rule that out. 
So what's the portfolio looking like at the moment? How many positions do you have in the portfolio? We've got about 35. Now we're starting to probably wind that back a little bit. Um, You know, a number of businesses have had very, very strong runs over the last, you know, even three months that we're seeing, you know, a few companies that are probably up 30% on where they were, uh, you know, at at the end of last year. And so you have to reassess the weightings of those and whether you want to keep them in your portfolio. Um, we want to have a little bit of room for new issues. And I think we're probably becoming maybe slightly more nervous. So at the hype of the market, when the portfolio was running at about sort of 14, 15%, we're sort of winding that back towards 20. We may even go a little bit higher over the next few weeks, just, um, you know, for those reasons. That's your cash level. Mm. You, you always used to hold quite a high cash level, but it sounds as if that's come back a bit. Yeah, look, I mean, certainly in the last year, it's been you know, a remarkable opportunity to make you know, a substantial amount of alpha in the, in the stock market. And I suppose we've, we've sought to take advantage of that. Um, the fact that there have been a number of new issues have also absorbed a bit of capital that I think largely we've done quite well out of. Um, you know, like I think our year returns to the end of February were about 30% for the, the 12 months and, and to the end of March, you know, they'll annualise at about 50 or 60 after the big downturn. So the, the bounce back in the stock market, certainly the smaller end has been, it's been extraordinary. And I think we've, we've, we've seen that opportunity and wanted to be as weighted towards it as we could be. Just time to take a, a few of extra chips off the table because there are, if not rising risks, certainly um, the valuations are less compelling than they were three or six months ago. Sure. And still stick to the smaller end of the market, the small to mid cap? Look, I mean, that's, that's where we think the opportunity is. That's where the inefficiency in pricing is. That's where we're finding businesses before the larger players. And that's where the growth's available for these stocks. It's much easier to grow a smaller business than a larger business. And that's what we'd like to see is underlying growth. And when you're running you know, a modest amount of capital, you don't need to be looking at the, the one, two, three billion dollar businesses in order to deploy capital. You can find nice businesses with a couple of hundred million, invest in those and get a nice return. So that's, that's the name of the game for Cyan anyway. Well, that's always been your DNA, as it were, um, to, to stick to the knitting, stick to, to what you know you do well. Uh, if you're tracking at 30% end of February, 50% to the end of March, uh, long may it continue, Dean. It's been great <laughs> talking to you. It always is. Those kind of returns won't continue as <clears throat> much. But look, I mean, our view is if we can, if we can generate a return, you know, in the double digits, 10 to 15%, without taking too much risk, without playing in the really speculative end of the small cap market by buying real businesses that, that are growing modestly without too much in terms of external factors to risk, you know, to, to give them financial risk, then I, I think that's a good way to play it. And, you know, long-term returns over six years are kind of 17%. So I think most investors should be pretty happy with that. Certainly in an environment where if you're leaving your money in the bank, you know, term deposit or whether you're getting less than 1%, it's, um, it's not a bad return. I think it's a great return. Of course, that's one of the things really driving the market and I think will continue to drive the market. Dean Fergie, thank you very much for your time. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, you too, Chris. Thanks.